Hello everyone and welcome to the Caramel Rock podcast. I'm your host, Renata. In every episode, I will be talking to a different guest working within the fashion and creative industry. We will be discussing their career journeys whilst also focusing on an interesting fashion-related topic. Today's guest is Nike Lambert. Nike is the founder and head of production manager of her namesake company. Nike Lambert LTD is a one-stop shop for clothing manufacturing, specializing in startups and bespoke attire. In our conversation, Nike shares with us the different manufacturing stages that her company provides. Her pet peeves as a bespoke attire specialist and she also offers tips and examples of what clients should bring when approaching her. With all that being said, let's get into the episode. Welcome Nike to the Caramel Rock podcast. If you'd like to just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, so I'm Nike, um, Birmingham born and bred, and I moved to the big city, London, about 10 years ago to follow my dreams in becoming a fashion designer. Nice. And what inspired you to pursue a career in fashion design? Um, I'm quite naturally an engineer and I very much enjoy seeing something from an idea to a complete project. So um, at the time I was into clothing. So it was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I want to learn how to make clothes. That's how it all started. Packed my bags and came to London. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) So what was it that kind of inspired you to come up with the business model that you have and that you're currently running? Um, So as I was studying and interning, I started to freelance. And whilst I was freelancing, I would have a lot of people ask me how how they would go about doing things. And I just so happened to have the skill set to help them. And so funny enough, that's how the business started. Me just simply being asked to do certain jobs um, and then me turning it into actual services that I could provide. And because it was startup, like people who had no idea about the industry, I then thought I'm going to st- um, specialize in startups. Nice. The company is called Nike Lambert LTD, isn't it? So what kind of made you think, let me use my name within part of this? Because I just thought, you know what? Um, one thing I'm always going to be is myself. And my approach to business is very different to the average company. It's it's very personable. Um, it, it's not formal at all. It's literally just, you know, myself and how I carry myself. And so I just thought, why not just call it after my name? It's unique in itself. And, mm. you know, it's it's recognisable. So why not, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's cool. And um, why did you decide? Well, I think you've mentioned that you kind of wanted to help start off, start up brands with the production side of things and was that like the only reason that kind of fueled you to say that that's kind of the services that I want to provide or was it more like that's where your skill set lied so actually the production side is that's only actually been a recent thing um Mm. I started out with just um pattern cutting and sewing services therefore the Mm -hmm. maximum that I could help someone was to a sample to the sample stage um, I, it's only recently that I've added on the the manufacturing and that is me partnering with another company who do that side yeah. of things. Um, but it was pan cutting and sewing and 
yeah, it was just very much about helping people bring their idea to life. That That's the concept mm. of the business. You present me with an idea and I bring it to life with my skill set. Yeah. And I think that's very important in terms of like with fashion design specifically, just because you can have an idea. But if you don't have that background knowledge on how, you know, a scene works and things, it's kind of, it puts you back. But if you can, you know, find somebody like you who knows those kind of skills and then can then kind of help me realize, like you said, bring ideas into life. It's very, it's a very, you know, useful service. And what has been like your biggest um, highlights in running your business? Um, I'd say the highlights is literally seeing people's reactions. Like there's, there's no mm. better feeling than um, understanding the concept of what someone's going for and executing it well. There's just no better mm. feeling um, when a client comes in and sees their final sample. That's enough to keep to keep me going, pretty much. Yeah, and that's it's um that is written so very exciting that that is a moment, and I think as well within like the fashion making process, um I think you can get caught up between the art side and the very like immersive side of thinking up with the ideas. But I think when you do consider what fashion is in the sense that it's a business. I think we talk too much about, I had a vision for this piece and it reminded me of the ocean or it reminded me, do you know what I mean? But when you actually can sit down and think about the process of fashion design and the business of fashion design, being able to manufacture that garment and being able to design with quality and um, precision is a skill and it doesn't just come, you know, because I have a desire to pursue fashion design. And that is a very important thing that as somebody who studied fashion design, I didn't realise that until uni, that actually being able to construct a garment is very important and knowing how to construct it and knowing that although I have this idea and I'm excited by it, I need to know and I need to be able to accurately and with precision kind of get this product out. And I think that's a really a topic that gets forgotten when you think about fashion design. Yeah, definitely. There's so there's so many processes throughout things and some are predictable from the start and some aren't. Some you will start a project and then you notice, oh, actually, this is harder than we thought. It's going to take mm. longer. Um, it needs more testing. Um, it needs more budget in it because, you know, we're out of ideas or it's not working. There's mm. so many steps to getting a perfect project we also take on work um like new invention stuff um things that haven't been done before where you know mm. i'm signing ndas and it's those projects that i'm talking about the ones that i will quote somebody thinking it's going to take a certain amount of time and it could be triple that amount of time so then it becomes awkward between me and the client because they're obviously they've trusted my word in the quote and i've sort of misunderstood how long <laughs> or you know, yeah. the potential issues that would have. And that's just, that's just it. Like, and it's for me to be honest with the client and say, Hey, I thought it was going to take this long, but it's actually going to take this long. And, um, usually it's, they understand because, because the way in which I work and um, the client actually comes to all the fittings. So they're seeing their mm -hmm. garment come to life slowly. Um, so they will start to understand that it's not me just trying to get, you know, more money out of them or so yeah, there's definitely so many aspects um, and steps to getting a product perfect. And it's sort of my job to make sure that the garment is perfect before it goes into production. It's a huge um, responsibility. And it's a responsibility that um, 
some don't appreciate and some do within the process as well it can be like we started off with a cotton based fabric but with the silhouettes that we're trying to create it's probably not the best fabric we need something that's stiffer so all of those affect the price and affect the time exactly even um at the moment i have clients who really want to get quotes for bulk from the start Mm -hmm. and i actually prefer to do that also to be honest however by the time we are finished what I call phase two, which is the pattern development, everything's changed. So your quote is going to change as well. Literally anything from you saying you want embroidery in one color to two colors now, that's going to change the price. Every single yeah. thing that changes is going to change the price. And it's for the client to start to understand that. Yeah, it's not like a straightforward process. It's very back and forth. We have five phases. Phase one is your CAD slash tip pack phase two mm-hmm. is your pattern development and that includes the pattern the twirl fitting and amendments it's a package deal we don't just do a pattern cutting service by itself um a mm. lot of people think we do but we don't we like to make sure that the pattern works before we give it over give it to you um so that's phase two we then have phase three which is the manufacturing which is done by our partners in china we have phase four which is the grading which is done in-house mm-hmm. And then we have phase five, that is the bulk order, which is done again in China. So China do the phase three and phase five, which is a sample and the bulk. And they also do sourcing for us. We have a catalog of books of fabrics that people can select from. And yeah, that's how it works. Just bish bash bosh. All the information is written on tech pack and information is just sent over digitally. Definitely sounds easier than it is. (laughs) There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of errors that happens. Um... And errors after errors, um, my job is to reduce the amount of errors, not eliminate, but reduce. It's mm-hmm. impossible to eliminate because your project goes for goes through maybe, um, who knows, maybe 50, about 50 people. So imagine trying to get the same inform- consistent information through consistently. Yeah. And how, and what's the timeline? How long is that? So I say to people, Five to six months is realistic. I mean, of course, if you have uh, less products, then the quicker it will be. But on average, I would say it takes five to six months before you have your bulk order. Oh, okay. And people that kind of start, that approach you are designers or more or less like people just wanting to start up their own kind of fashion brand. So I have quite a lot of different clients. I have, um, I have the student. I have someone who just has a bit of money and they think, oh, why not try and make a bit of money? So some people just see it as business. We have people who uh, are just naturally gifted and, you know, are trying to put something out. And then we have the curious client who <laughs> who just wants to know what it feels like to have something bespoke made for them. Um, so, yeah, it's it's, it's my client. I would, you know, I was going to say it's quite young, but recently we've been having quite a lot of older people um, approach us, which is great. That's good. And I think what I'm hearing with what you're saying is that not everybody kind of wants to do go all the way to manufacturing, for example, like the student or the um, the person who's wanting a bespoke attire. So it kind of varies who comes and how far they go throughout the phases. And what has been like your biggest challenge running? Um, this kind of business business <laughs> I'm a creative I have no idea how a business works 
what that language is. Yeah, I'm only just now, I'm 10 years in. I'm only mm. just now starting to get my head around business. And yeah, it's, it's, it's took a while. At first, I was dismissive of it. I didn't want to even understand it. I wanted my accountant to do it. But then I realized that accountants, they only help you to a certain degree. You have to sort of know what's going yeah. on. Whereas I thought I could just pay them this monthly money and I wouldn't have to think about business. (laughs) Um, But that's not the case. I've definitely lost out on thousands of pounds with my lack of knowledge in business. But um, we move and we learn from our mistakes. (laughs) No, and it's not a common thing that you find, like, especially within the creative industries where the business side is like the biggest challenge. Why do you think that is? I just feel like it's using a different part of your brain. (laughs) <laughs> mm. <laughs> there's it's it's yeah it's just it's left brain and right brain and so it's just not easy for us to just just switch like that and uh, we'd definitely rather outsource that we've spoken a bit about like how the different phases and how you function as a business what advice would you give somebody who's kind of wanting to approach you for your service so it could be for example the student who wants something made or it could be somebody who's wanting to start up um the brand how would you advise them to approach you or what is required there's three ways in which you can approach me all involve a visual i need a visual we need to have something to talk about i it's Mm. my biggest pet peeve when people are just describing something you know, because a picture tells a thousand words, you know, where yeah. you could be going around in circles. Mm. I could call this <laughs> one thing. You could call it another thing. So I just need visuals, you know, like talk to me as if I'm a child, you know, where it's just like pictures and annotations, you know. So three ways in which people approach me, that like sketches, some people are good at sketches and then they might just annotate, you know, details what they mean. A second way is, so this is from this will go from novice to professional. So the novice person would approach me with a sketch, annotations. The one in the middle, they would approach you with an already made product, maybe a Google image, and then they will annotate that. And they might insert close-ups of like pocket details and stuff. So I know exactly the placement and where they want it. And mm-hmm. then the professional person, they will have an actual tech pack already where it has literally everything from stitch detail, measurements, dimensions, um colorways uh compositions literally every single thing i would need and really I, ideally yeah that's what i want is a tech pad but i understand of course not everyone is on that that level which is why phase mm. one automatically if you do not have a tech pack you, you get charged for it but it's, it's, it's an essential part of the process that's your job seat your job sheet essentially mm. um so yeah to approach me i need visuals in sketch form in an actual visual annotated or a tech pack. I need to be very clear with what you're trying to do. Some people send mood boards. I'm happy if you send that because I do like to understand the person and the concept that they're going for. I'm not someone who, um, you know, give me your money and let me get on with it type thing. No, I, re- I really want to understand my client and, you know, it's a personable um, experience. My clients are basically friends. <laughs> Especially if you're having like five to six months of working together, you build that relationship exactly exactly um and then obviously we hope for reorders which we do pretty well at to be honest that's good within that process is there an element of redesign or is it more just technical changes that happen oh no there's both there's both and both are very annoying actually (laughs) 
But it's more annoying <laughs> when the client is designing as they go. That's one of my like, hey, 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 I'm gonna put you to a side. And if if I give you a warning and you continue to do that, then I will recharge you because now you're you're we're doing a whole, whole new design. <laughs> I do make it very clear when I'm when something is borderline going from me helping them slightly to them taking the mic, you know. So yeah. And how is um that? Because for example, there are plenty of other um processes where you can go straight to the manufacturer. So like straight to getting the batch production in China. How does like the client benefit by seeing you first? This is a great question, actually. A lot of my clients are false starters. And false starters means they've already tried to go directly to the manufacturer to do it themselves. Now, Mm. what the issue usually is, if they're producing in Asia, for example, or just internationally, first thing is the language barrier. The second thing is the person being so inexperienced that they're not able to convey what they're trying to do. Any form of detail they're trying to do, they can't convey it. And so it just ends up you wasting your money and time. And then by the time you get to me, you're like, oh, my God, this is a godsend, (laughs) you know. Um, So, yeah, we're essentially the middle person. And we have a relationship with the manufacturer in China. And, you know, we have our own language. Therefore, the information isn't lost in translation because we Mm. used industry terminology, just familiarity. Like we understand what what means and we understand each other's language. Like it's not literal language, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, what, what means and what we mean by this. So that's the benefit of coming to us. However, obviously because we are almost representing you, there's, um, uh, we, so basically we have a premium service and a lot of the time people, think oh we're too much but in actuality <laughs> when you figure out if you try and do it yourself you're mm. better off just paying us to do it for you and the other thing yeah. is the security if anything goes mm-hmm. wrong with your order you come back to me and we sort it out whereas if you go straight to the manufacturer they can just be like be on your way but yeah it's it's security so security the confidence in your design being executed correctly um, another thing is that the our manufacturer that we work with, they don't have any control over the patterns or the fit or everything. Mm-hmm. All they do is source and sell. So there's no way that your product can come out wrong or anything because everything is literally developed in-house. So you know exactly mm-hmm. what your, at least your sample product, you know what that's going to look like before um, you actually get it. Because you've tried it on, you try the fit on. The only thing that it isn't accurate is probably the, the fabric. It probably isn't the mm-hmm. actual fabric you're using or maybe the color. But in yeah. terms of generally the fit and stuff, it's going to be exactly how your final sample is going to turn out. Yeah, and that's very helpful, especially when, like I said earlier, like you may have some limited knowledge on how things fit and how things ought to look. But being able to work alongside someone like you who has that technical knowledge and knows those details and information, it's really helpful to kind of make sure you're starting on that. On, that, on a good foundation because if you didn't know that and then you didn't you know submitted a pack to get manufactured and they bring you 500 um, garments which are not what you wanted it's very you know a lot of money wasted a lot of time wasted time is the one that annoys everyone the most it's never usually the money it's usually the time no it is it's very important in the grand scheme of things and in the process as well but also as startups having someone like you with them with the information and the connections puts you at a good starting point to kind of compete, quote unquote, with the big brands who already have, you know, 
years of relationships with manufacturers you know i'm talking like the gucci and the louis vuittons like they have years of experience years of connections and you know their turnover is much quicker and they can do things um much smoother because they have that experience and they have the money but also as startups to be able to you know connect with somebody who has that information it puts you at a good starting point yeah for sure and, and at the moment we we sort of in london we have like the best one of the best like um, MLQs of 50 per style mm-hmm. and color. That's another thing that people find difficult is that most manufacturers, especially locally, the minimum is like 100, maybe 300 per style. And obviously as a startup, you can't do that, which is why you would benefit from our service because mm. you can get 50 per style. And in some cases, if you're ordering quite a few styles, we can even come down sometimes, depending. It all depends on the complexity because um, it has to make sense for everyone. You know, mm-hmm. everyone needs to get paid. I've got Victor, who's got uh, like 15 years experience, got Andy, who is 10 years experience, myself, 10 mm. years experience. And then we've got Tak, who is the uh, just she's a graduate. So everyone has a lot of um, experience. And so you are sort of sitting on that when you approach us. Yeah. And that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation, because I think starting a business, especially a fashion brand, it can really seem daunting. And a lot of people that do have do want to start a fashion business are not necessarily you know they don't necessarily have 10 years in the game or 50 years and 50 years is a bit much but like they don't have <laughs> many years in the game and having being able to kind of find um companies like yourself it can really help with how your your brand starts off and how you kind of you go on within within your business yeah i was going to say another thing is to try as best as you can to be realistic about pricing as well. You can't approach me um, with Louis Vuitton Prada references and mm. expect me to make it on tip shop money. Do you know what I mean? There's a reason yeah. why those those brands are retailing at that price and there's a reason why you're mm. giving me that <laughs> reference. Do you know what I mean? You love that quality. You want that quality. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to allow me to do that quality, then you have to pay you can't go to a Louis Vuitton and buy an eight hundred pound shirt and then wonder why it will cost you eight hundred pounds to have one the pattern or the sizes, your first sample. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't it, it doesn't make sense for you to question the price when you saw what luxury looks like. You have to expect to pay for it. Yeah, even the process is is extremely tedious. Now of course we can obviously if your the budget isn't there then we can be as cost effective as possible. But I'm just saying, if you want that quality, then you have to be mm. willing to pay for it. I think that's like the ignorance that I think a lot of us have when it comes to production. Because you think, okay, because I can see H&M have a similar style and they're, pre- and they're, you know, charging quite low fees. And then, you know, the Gucci's have got a higher price and, you you know, you're trying to find a cheaper way. But sometimes, you know, it's not about it being cheaper. If you want the quality, you have to kind of pay what it costs. Yeah, you also have to bear in mind that when you go to a H&M, one style, they've probably made a million of those, right? That means they've probably paid a pound for that, (laughs) right? So yeah, they can afford to sell it to you for £10. Come on. Whereas Louis Vuitton, they've probably paid 300 to have that shirt made. So then if they're signing for 600 you sort of understand, you know what I mean? How much it's costing to make, yeah. And I think that's also... 
Um, the business of fashion, that's the bit that we kind of miss as well in terms of like how much it actually costs to do. You know, it's great to say I want to do it and I'm excited by it and I'm inspired. But the money that is invested and the time that is invested for the things that we then see, it's a lot. It it, it doesn't just come out of nowhere, you know? Absolutely not. I've purposely hired like a great team. So that, mm. you know, we don't have these problems. I've, the people on yeah. my team have, have done um, patterns and grading for the high street. That's who's mm. on my team, the guy that does that stuff. Do you know what I mean? So what better experience could I have on my team? I've mm. purposely hired people who know more than myself. I'd be stupid to hire mm-hmm. anyone, anything less. I need more knowledge and experience of the team. Yeah, exactly. And it is just getting that information, isn't it? And getting people who know to help you as a startup or as a beginner. Because I do, I mean, I do have a lot of people come in and be like, whoa, I didn't think it would cost that much, but actually it makes sense. So it's nice when I get that response as opposed to 300 yeah. for a shirt. It's, I understand though, because um, obviously if you go to the high street, men probably spend what, max, maybe 150 pounds for a jacket. So that's all mm. they see. They can't fathom paying you know, add, add an extra zero to the end of that. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it makes sense. I just don't like when uh, the response is like, you're not worthy. Do you know what I mean? Like it's little minions like myself who work for the Gucci and the Pradas. So I am Gucci. I am Prada. <laughs> <laughs> it's a process, isn't it? Because even when maybe they budgeted for the manufacturing to be this much because they still have to do the, the campaign and the marketing and then that, where is it going to sell? And then how, you know, the pages, the website, all of that costs money. So it does, it, I think it's like the manufacturing and the production side and the and the sampling side is almost kind of like in the middle. So then when you do start, you have this idea. So you're sketching, you're researching and all of this. And then you come to like the making, the sampling, the production. But then you've still got to like market everything. You still have to get a model in. You still have to do all the other things, which still costs money. So it's it's a tricky, it's a, it's a sticky tricky <laughs> tricky stage because it's bang almost in the middle of the process you either want to do a brand or you don't there's no in the middle that's true since you've been in the industry for 10 years now is it what you expected it to be like i didn't think i'd be so stressed i'm stressed every day <laughs> i'm so stressed <laughs> to the point where not, now i'm just like it's just clothes it's just clothes I can't mm. get stressed about but what it is is the pressure, isn't it? It's the it's the pressure from the clients and the fact that what the business is, it's so niche. And so I'm the driving force behind the brand because I understand the clientele the best. I couldn't anytime soon have someone replace me because it takes a lot for people to understand one the process, two the clientele yeah. and just the logistics and how everything works like I have to be able to predict mistakes so far ahead it's it's just so tedious on the brain um pattern cutting alone is is a lot we're doing manual and digital now also so we've got the best of both worlds and we are currently trying to get really teared up on the digital because we're trying to totally eliminate the manual and um, just mm-hmm. for efficiency and if it's things are more efficient that means Things would be more cost effective for people, but yeah, no, I didn't think it would be what it is. I d- I, I thought I'd just be having fun, but um, 
I actually have bills to pay. Don't I? Yeah, no, it's not what I want to be. <laughs> but I feel, I feel like I'm too far in now. I, I can't, I don't think I could leave this industry. But I guess also you have those highlights that you enjoy, you know, seeing the finished product, working, you know, so close to the clients and things that keep you going and remind you like why you started it. Yeah, on the odd occasion, we get celebrity work as well. So that's fun as well. That's probably the most fun part when you're behind scenes and you're backstage and everything's hectic and you're having to fit a jacket on someone and the needle's broken without a thread or I do quite like chaotic environments I do thrive mm. in that um so it, it when it comes to those kind of things it, it is a lot more fun but um in terms of on a daily or weekly it, it, it is quite stressful Mainly for me, of course, because I'm the director and I'm, I'm the allocator. So everyone comes to mm-hmm. me to know what to do next. And I currently have, I did have four. Now I've got three people who I'm managing. Um, plus being the face of the brand, doing the meetings and yeah. So it's just a lot of pressure. But would I have any other way? Probably not. <laughs> so she's catch no. 22. Yeah, it's literally catch 22. You're doing really well, so it's definitely paying off all the stressing. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) No worries. And um, I guess we could ask as well, like, what's the end vision for the brand, if you're happy to share? I have quite a lot of visions. I don't know which one is going to fall into place, but... If I say in general, my aim is to basically have an umbrella of just extremely talented individuals um, that come together and we're literally approached to do all types of projects. I don't know, movies, approached us to do costume, it could be red carpet, gala, it could be Beyonce's got a tour, she needs outfits for the whole band or dancers. It could be John from down the road who's trying to start a a clothing line, you know what I mean? Susie over there who wants, you know, a wedding dress. Or Bob over there who just because wants something made. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like I just wanna have a house of just dope individuals and we just we just kick ass, basically. No, and I think it's very exciting that you've not kind of limited your services, which is stressful, but I think it's good as well because you get to see how fashion impacts people in different scales it's not just like the big gala piece or like the wedding piece but also it could be just like you said bob just wants a nice jacket and that in itself is exciting yeah you know everyone has a different taste and um everyone has a different budgets i don't feel, see why mm-hmm. anyone can't come in i mean of course it, it would be a case of maybe the business being split into two maybe specializing just like bespoke attire and then startups type thing uh, as opposed to all being together but I do think that a company could sort of have all services in one yeah it's possible it would be great I just see an intern going from imagine just working in different areas like how cool would that be as a you know apprenticeship or an internship all the stuff you would learn that, that would be insane And then also being able to taste those experiences to really decipher what it is you want to go into rather than just... Just from one placement. 
Because usually you have to do, I've, I've done maybe four placements before I knew what it was I wanted to do. But if you could go to mm-hmm. one place and just stay there for, yeah, like, that would be great. Yeah, no, it's exciting. It's about bringing creatives together and also kicking ass together. Mm, true that, true that. Well, thank you for chatting with us today. It's been great. Where can people find you in your work? You can go to the website. It's www.naikilambert.com. Uh, Instagram, Nike Lambert. Twitter, Nike Lambert. Um, Instagram is probably where I'm at the most. But emails definitely go further than DMs. So I will say that <laughs> I'm not on social media like that. Um, so I would definitely recommend emailing. Amazing. Well, thank you for chatting and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> You're very welcome. Before wrapping up the episode, I would like to talk a little about the charity. For each episode of this season, we've been looking at one of the five arms of Cowmore Rock. And for today's episode, we will be looking at the third arm, which is job training. As a fashion and arts academy, a number of our beneficiaries are young students who are trying to increase future prospects in the fashion and arts sector. As a result, we are committed to seeking ways to increase job training for young people. Fashion is considered a leading industry in terms of employing young people from the age of 18 to 30. And we want to do our part by bringing opportunities to people. Many of the young pupils that have joined our programs have gained experience and currently work in the fashion industry. We only aim to further this and provide our services to a wider population of young people who are jobless or lack the right connections to land them into employment within the fashion sector. We have come to the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. We would love to know what you thought about this episode. Send us an email with your feedback at admin at If you like the episode, please share it. Be sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on your favourite podcast listening app. Caramore Rock is a fashion and creative arts educational charity focusing on developing the next generation of designers and creatives by providing training and job opportunities to young people. To register onto one of our courses or find out more about us, visit caramorrock.com or DM us on Instagram at caramorrockofficial. I've been your host, Renata Hoga. See you on the next episode.